1: that Jesus showed up in the midst of the disciples last week, right about verse 36 of chapter 24. Jesus showed up in the midst of his disciples, and he said, peace be to you. And the disciples were hiding behind closed locked doors for fear. So when Jesus appeared in their midst, they thought that he was a ghost, and they were scared. I would have been too. Well, to remove all doubt, Jesus said, touch me, handle me, look at my nail scarred hands and feet, and they believed. In verse 42 and 43 of chapter 24, it tells us it was at that time that Jesus asked them for something to eat, and they gave him what, saints? Are y'all reading the Saint Bible I Am? <laughs> what they give him? Okay, it's okay. That's where we left off last week, and we pick up in verse 44. Can y'all believe it? We are going to finish the gospel of Luke Today. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, praise the Lord. I, you know, last night I said that to the people, Saturday night. I said, we're going to finish the gospel of Luke, and you heard crickets. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all people? This is an exciting thing that we've gone verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept, through the word of God. That's an exciting thing. Somebody clap your hands. Would you do it? I think it is. So I've titled this sermon, if you're taking notes, I've titled this sermon, Final Instructions, Luke 24, beginning in verse 44. Saints, if you're looking at verse 44, say amen. And then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened, underline verse 45, highlighted, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend what saints, the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and the remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you in verse 49, but tarry in, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. Verse 44 tells us that Jesus said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you. Now, I don't know. Maybe you are one of those people Maybe, you know, people who will say, you know, I'm not one of those people to say, I told you so. I don't know. Are you like that? Like, I, like you're one of those people. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those people to say, I told you so. Well, listen, Pastor Rodney, I am one of those people. I will tell you, I told you so. Where are my people at? I will say, especially to my kids, I love it they do some I go. I told you so because dad knows everything and then the angels in heaven ah. it's all the time every time I say that it, ah. <laughs> I told you so well Jesus listen he is saying I told you so Jesus is telling the disciples I told you over and over again while I was with you that I would be taken and arrested and beaten. I told you in Psalm 22 that I would be a reproach to man. I told you all my bones would be pulled out of place, my hands and my feet pierced. I told you that I would be crucified and three days later I would rise again. I told you all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Now in verse 45, saints, go ahead and look at verse 45, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the what? The scriptures. Now, this is very important. You might want to write this in your margin or write this down. Before verse 45, you have to insert John twenty twenty-two. John twenty twenty two tells us before he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. John twenty twenty two 22 tells us that he breathed on them and he said, receive ye the spirit. It was at that time that the spirit of God indwelt them, them, the disciples, and they were born again. Then in verse 45, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So we learn, listen, that without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to comprehend the Bible. And that is why, listen, people are so frustrated and aggravated when they read the scriptures and they don't understand it. It's like reading Greek to them. Because if you're a non-believer and you don't have the author of the book in your heart to teach you the scriptures, you cannot understand it. Being a believer, somebody listen. Being a believer and having the Holy Spirit in your heart, when you open up the scriptures, it's like having the author of the book standing right next to you, in you, to teach you what the scriptures have to say. So you're reading the scriptures you're going through, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's what, and the Holy Spirit is teaching you, yeah, this is what that means. And oh, yeah, well, then you connect that over to, to Psalm 119, and then you connect it to over here. It's the Holy Spirit that's teaching you the scriptures. You have the Spirit of God dwelling in you to teach you the scriptures, and without the Spirit of God, you cannot understand the Bible. Period. Why? Because the Bible is the living word of God. This book, listen, this book is God breathed. This book is inspired by God. This book comes from the mouth and the heart of God. And without the Spirit of God, the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. So when they received the Spirit, Jesus opened their minds to understand all that the Scriptures pointed to Him. All the Scriptures pointed to Him. He opened their minds to understand that from eternity to eternity, God's plan for our salvation included His death, burial, and resurrection. But again, your mind can't be open. And you can't understand the things of the spirit unless you have the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to keep your finger right here in Luke. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hold on to Luke. We're coming back. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians is, is right before 2 Corinthians. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And look at this. Now, this is exactly what this says. Look at first Corinthians chapter two and look at verse 14. You're looking at verse 14. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. Good. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are what saints foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things yet. He himself is rightly judged by no one for who has known the mind of a Lord that he may instruct him, but we, believers, Christian folk, we have the mind of Christ. You know, I really like how the New Living Translation reads this very same verse. I have it on the screen for you. The New Living Translation reads this verse like this, or these verses like this. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolishness to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Listen, the Bible is the only book ever written. Listen to me. The Bible is the only book ever written that cannot be understood by human wisdom. Ever books that are written by man, you read them one time, you put them on the shelf, or you take them to the library. You know best-selling authors. I learned some over the last couple services: John Grisham, John Clancy. Tom Clancy, that's right, Tom Clancy, that's right, Tom Clancy. Who's some other ones? Best-selling authors. Daniel Steele. Daniel Steele. Who else? Stephen King. Stephen King. You know all of them, stop. <laughs> Who else? Dan Brown. Who? Dan Brown. Dan Brown. I never heard of him myself. <laughs> what did he write? The Da Vinci Code, I have heard of him. (laughs) The Nutcase, yeah, I have heard of him. Yes, I have, okay. A bag of nuts, okay, got it. But all of those books, listen, ever written, once you read those books, you don't have to read them again. But the Bible is different. Once you read the scriptures, you could go back to that very same scripture. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You can go right back to that very same scripture, read it, and it will speak something completely different to you. Because it's the living word of God. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word is living and powerful. And that's why when you read it now, go back and read it again and something else God speaks to you and go back and read again and something else God speaks to you. You know, it happens to me as a pastor. I'm studying the scriptures and I'm studying, you know, the things of the Lord and, 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 and I read a text and I go, wow, I didn't know it said that. That's because God's saying something different right now. Now, here in 1 Corinthians, listen, I want to camp out on this verse just for a few minutes because I think it needs some explanation. If you've got a pen, I want you to write this down. Matter of fact, let me have my verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. Let me have that verse there. The Bible says that the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. If you've got your pen, you're bad. Write this down. The word natural is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's in Jude 19. And it talks about the sensual or the natural or the worldly person who causes division. Now, when the Bible talks about the natural man, the Bible is talking about the person who is devoid of the spirit of God. The person who does not have the spirit of God, the person who is not born again, the Bible calls him a natural man. Their minds have not been touched by the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. The opposite, listen, somebody help me. The opposite of the natural man is the spiritual man. Very good. And the spiritual person's mind has been renewed by the Holy Spirit. And they understand the things of God because they've received the Spirit of God. The natural person has not received the Spirit. And that's why they can't grasp or understand spiritual things. They are spiritually discerned or spiritually understood. Now, what is it? Here's a question. What exactly are the spiritual things that they can't grasp? What exactly is it? What is foolishness to him? Look at chapter one, same book, 1 Corinthians chapter one, and look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 18. You're looking at verse 18. Here, Look, look, look. What is it that's foolishness to him? Let's answer that right here. The Bible defines itself. For the message of the cross is what saints foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it's what the power of God. Look at verse 23 and 24, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks, what foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Of God, You see, the message of the cross, saints, look at me. The message of the cross is foolishness to the natural man. Why? Because the message of the cross is a death blow to the natural man's pride. I'm going to say that again. I like it. The message of the cross is a death blow to the natural man's pride. You see, the cross says to everyone, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself it's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. You, natural man, have nothing to do with that. You see, the natural man thinks, that's foolishness. You mean to tell me, because... One man went to the cross, died on the cross. His blood was shed. He died and rose again because of that. You mean to tell me that all I have to do is believe in that. Trust him, put my faith in him and I can be saved. You mean that's it to be saved and go to heaven You mean to tell me that? That's exactly what I mean to tell you. That's exactly what the Bible says. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's exactly what the Bible says. You mean to tell me, the natural man is thinking, you mean to tell me I don't have to ride bikes and wear white shirts? Hmm. I wonder who that could be. You mean to tell me I don't have to knock on doors on Saturday morning when folk are sleeping? And when they come to the door, they got bedhead, their hair is sticking there. And you go, would you like to go to paradise? You mean to tell me I don't have to do that? Hmm. I wonder who that might be. You mean to tell me that I don't have to give money to the Jerry's kids and I don't have to give money to feed the children? Listen, giving money to Jerry's kids, giving money to feed the children, all that is great, all that is good, but that will not buy you a ticket into heaven. The only thing, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands right there. The only thing that will get you a ticket into heaven is when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That is the only way to get into heaven is through Jesus Christ, not by works of righteousness, lest any man should boast. And to the natural man, he's thinking, man, I don't have to sweat to get into heaven. All I have to do is believe in Jesus and put my faith in him. That's his pride. And to him, that is foolishness. It's foolishness to think that he doesn't have to do anything to be saved except believe and trust in what Jesus did on that old rugged cross. Now, listen, the problem is not intellectual inability. God has given the intellectual ability to reason and God has given ample information. If he didn't, that wouldn't be fair. I mean, think about it because the availability of information is necessary for accountability. Let me say that again. The availability of information is necessary for accountability. In other words, if you don't know, God's not going to judge you for that which you don't know. So the availability of information is necessary for accountability, but they have the intellectual ability. As a matter of fact, the verse says the message of the cross is foolishness to him. That means that he has the info. He has reason and he has determined that it is foolish and a waste of time. And so he rejects it. He's got the intellectual ability. The verse implies He has reasoned this thing through and said the message of the cross is foolishness. So it takes a work of the Holy Spirit to open your understanding. And God, listen, I don't care how spiritual you think you are. God is always opening up his word. And I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus and how long you've been studying the Bible and how much, you know, and how much Greek you understand in Hebrew. Listen, there's still more yet to be learned, because when you open up this Bible, something new comes out. I've been teaching the Bible for 24, maybe 25 years. And I can honestly tell you that I am still learning things in the scriptures. People, I'll still see a verse or somebody will tell me a verse and I'll say that verse in the Bible. Some of y'all look like, y'all mean the pastor don't know the verses in the Bible? (laughs) Well, no, not like that. What what I'm saying is that there's always something new in here. And when you read something and you study something, God always shows you something more. Somebody once said that the word of God is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. It is. It's always something more. I'm studying the book of Luke, and we've been going through the the book of Luke, and and, and I've been blessed. I've been honestly, it's just really this gospel has like radically changed me, and, and 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 God's taught me a lot of things, and 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 I'm learning things, and I'm looking back, and the things that I know now, the things I'm learning now, and I'm thinking, man, I mean, I I know I taught the other gospels before. What in the world was I saying back then? If I'm saying what I'm saying now. What am I saying? What was I saying? What I must've been teaching heresy back when I was teaching Matthew. I mean, what was I saying back then? Because God's always revealing something new. And that's why it drives me crazy when somebody says, oh, you know, I, I know that about the Bible. You say, well, what about the?" Well, I know that part about the Bible. Yes, I know that part about the Bible. Listen, you don't know the Bible because just when you think, you know, the Bible, God shows you something more. Where my people at? You understand what I'm saying? God shows you something more. Well, in verse 45 through 46, Jesus notice opened their hearts. He opened their understanding and their ability to perceive and to understand the word. And then he said it was necessary, and it was, and it was written that Christ should suffer. Go ahead and look at it. And when he said it was written, listen, he's referring to prophecy. Prophecy is one of the strongest proofs of the inspiration of the word of God in this thing called Christianity. Prophecy is proof that, 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 that Christianity is what it is and Jesus is who he said he was concerning prophecy. You know, we've been going through credo and I've been teaching credo and, and it's been awesome. We've had, you know, 100 plus people in the classroom and it's been wonderful. We've been Going through things and learning things and last week we were talking about prophecy and 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 just how, you know, prophecy fits in with scripture and how things are spoken of Jesus a thousand years before he was even born. You know, prophecies like Micah 5 two, Jesus will be born in Bethlehem Malachi 3 1 that he'd be announced by a forerunner. All these things were said before he was ever born. There's this guy by the name of Peter Stoner. And Peter Stoner, get this, he wrote a book called Science Speaks. And in the book, he points out the odds of one man fulfilling, listen to this, it's very, very interesting. The odds of one man fulfilling 300 prophecies, he said, is mathematically impossible. Using the law of compound probability, what is the probability of one man fulfilling just eight prophecies? He said the probability that one man could fulfill eight prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's a one with 17 zeros after it. That would be equivalent to covering the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars and putting a red X on one of them and then blindfold the man, spin him around, tell him to go walking through Texas and whenever he wants to, just reach down and pick up a coin. And that coin being the coin with the red X on it. He said the chances that that man would find that silver dollar with the red X on it is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's only eight prophecies. Take 16 prophecies. That's one in 10 to the 45th power. Take 48 prophecies. That's one in 10 to the 157th power. That's one with 157 zeros after it. Now, what is the chance that one man could fulfill to the T 300 prophecies? The number is incomprehensible. And that's why when somebody says, Oh, Jesus fulfilled a few prophecies and it was coincidence, whatever. That's crazy. God's word is true, God knows the end from the beginning. And prophecies, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And prophecy proves that. Look at verse 46 and 47. It was written that Jesus had to suffer and rise from the dead. That, are you looking at verse 46 and 47? That Jesus had to suffer and rise from the dead that repentance and remission of sin should be preached. Jesus died and he gave his life so that, number one, repentance should be preached. That means If you're taking notes, you write this down. That means to have a change of mind, to have a change of action. Repentance means you are going one way. Now turn around, do a you, and go another way. Repentance means there's a change. Christian, listen. Repentance means there's a change.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.